Well, good morning, Grace Community Church. It is a good morning. Special day. Very special day. Nondor's graduation and the time afterwards that we have today. So, looking forward to this day. And uh, this whole weekend has been quite festive, hasn't it? We just celebrated Independence Day. And uh, we enjoy the fun, the family, the fireworks, all the stuff that go with that, right? Pretty uh, pretty amazing what uh, a day or a weekend like that does for you. It just kind of gets you excited. And, of course, we think about our freedom and our liberty. We can't uh, help but think about that at this time of the year, can you? And, uh, of course, we know that the, um, we have quite a heritage, quite a legacy in this nation as it has given us many, many freedoms that uh, no other nations have really had in a lot of ways. And we think about that and we're thankful that we can come here this morning and still worship freely. And uh, isn't that a blessing? That's quite the freedom. It really is. We uh, praise the Lord for that. We know the greatest freedom is that, to worship. To worship God. Our greatest freedom is being in Christ knowing that He has set us free, free from the bondage of sin and death. And God revealed us the truth of the Gospel. And of course, we know the truth sets you free. Right? Jesus said that. I believe it was Jesus that mentioned that very important passage that we all are familiar with. The truth will set us free. The truth about the, the very Gospel, about Christ and all He's done. We were delivered from the bondage of this present age. Even though as sinful as this world is, we have been delivered from the effects and what will happen ultimately to this evil age. As I contemplated on this this week, as we were uh, thinking about uh, 4th of July and all all the things, festivities that goes on, I finally reached a decision on what book we'd be studying. Because the last few months, it seems like months, actually weeks, um, I really haven't done any particular book. And of course, it seems like half the time I haven't even been here. Did you guys notice that? Where'd the pastor go? (laughs) One time I went and um, sat in for Dennis Peterson as he was on vacation. And so I got jealous and said, okay, it's time I take a vacation. I'm going to take a vacation. Actually, we went uh, up as a last-minute thing, but we kind of figured it might happen, but we weren't sure because, by the way, if you've been praying on closing the house, it finally happened this week. Amen. Praise the Lord. And so that's a load off ourselves there. Boy, that's liberty. You know, the burden comes off. And so we enjoyed that, but um, it turned out to be this week. So we said, fantastic, that's great. And we uh, wound up going up to Iowa. And do most people go up to Iowa for vacations? Well, yeah. (laughs) Right here, Bob would. (laughs) But we went to Burlington. We didn't even get to go to the huge city that you But Burlington was okay. Uh, We got to see the Mississippi River and it getting ready to flood. I don't know what to do now, but anyway, most of all, and really best of all, we went there because we have uh, a guy that actually went to our Bible study. He was part of us a long time ago, and I'm looking out there, and I know Cindy would remember him, I do believe. I know Carolyn does. <laughs> Debbie would know. And 
Michael would know, I do believe, a um, guy by the name of Kendall Adams and Pam, who came to our buddy, uh, Bible study for a while before he went to uh, college and seminary, went to a Bible school, went to seminary, and went on to be um, a pastor at a few different churches. Mainly, at uh, he's been in Burlington for quite some time. He'd been in Hannibal before. And so we used to go up there and uh, visit them every once in a while. We hadn't seen them in a while. So that was quite a, quite a blessing to see them and to know, hey, they were part of us. And uh, so we uh, we really got blessed as uh, heard uh, heard him preach and able to catch up on a lot of things. So that's where we've been. And enough of that. Uh, we'll move on here. But as I contemplated on this, and I'm thinking, well, what are we going to do? What are we going to do this week? And but we're, should we turn into that this week? Should we go to that book? I do believe we will, because this book that we're dealing with, I think, is very timely. Because it deals with freedom. And it is really a declaration of independence. It certainly fits. It's talking about independence. It's declaring spiritual liberty for those who follow Christ. You like to be free? Well, Galatians, the book of Galatians, is the book for us, if you like to be free. Uh, We've done Galatians in our time one time, and hardly any of you were there when we did it, uh, Very a few of you, and uh, I just don't remember it, so here we are. It's a, it's, a, it's a message of freedom, and I want to tell you, it's a very doctrinal study. That means a lot of teaching, a lot of doctrine in it. It is historic, and it's also practical, very practical. It's very powerful. And Martin Luther, who everybody is probably familiar with, who began the Reformation, did it with the writing of a commentary called Galatians. Quite an impact it made on him. It was out of this writing that he really formed his concept of grace. Of course, the book of Romans is another one. He wrote a commentary on Romans. But this is really where he saw grace and faith opposed to works for salvation and it resulted in him making a protest and becoming uh, I guess you can say Protestant even though that really wasn't what he was looking for he just discovered some truths in the Bible that needed to be uh, dusted off and to be seen so Luther said this this is how important Galatians was to him I quote the epistle to the Galatians is my epistle not that he wrote it to it I am as it were, in wedlock. He was married to this book of Galatians. That's how tight this uh, book was to him. And of course, his commentary really became a manifesto of the Reformation. And uh, of course, this preaching was uh, preaching a lot from Galatians. How we are delivered from a legalism and a bondage of that and we're set free in the person of Christ. So you can see how important it was to Martin Luther, Right? and to all the Reformation. And that is quite a commentary. You can still get that commentary today. I even have it. And uh, it's uh, been a blessing to me. Uh, when you think of freedom, when you think of the West, man has no clue, has the faintest idea, really, of what freedom or liberty is. And, of course, people will have 
the new morality. Of course, a lot of that was being shouted out about in the 60s. And of course, you have your uh, sexual freedom. Anything goes. That's freedom. We can be set free from anything. And a lot of it has to do with morals. And so, they move on. Free love. Freedom from authority. Freedom from responsibility. Those kind of virtues went with this new definition of freedom. And it's not new. It's been here ever since man has been around and he makes up his own freedom. None of it's freedom whatsoever. And we know we've all talked about freedom in our lifetimes. And before Christ, we searched for freedom. We looked all for it. We can get that free feeling. <laughs> and not where some guy is going through the forest half naked with his locks flowing behind him. I'm free. I'm free. <laughs> Put a little rainbow up there and some of the other things that happened back in the 60s, right? Jesus said this, If the Son shall make you free, you shall be free indeed. Truth will set you free. Jesus said, same chapter. Let's say if you have a problem. And you try to solve this problem. Everybody has problems. We, we all have to deal with things that come up and we decide on what, what do we do about this now. You know, you've got to make a decision. Okay, how do we uh, change this? But if you have a problem, you want to get it solved, right? It drives you crazy until you get that solved. So you look for answers. You ask for people. and Hey, you can believe everything on the Internet. It's got to be there. Matter of fact, you can find some pretty good answers there, right? Okay. The thing is, until you get that problem solved and you get the answer, you're going to be held captive. You ever thought about that? It drives you crazy. I've got to get this. Especially if, if it's your responsibility. It's your job, and you have to do that, you know. And until you get that, you're, you're not free from that search. So, um, the theme of Galatians comes in, in in the search for true freedom. And what is true freedom? It's in Jesus Christ. And that's a simple thing that we will see all throughout Galatians as we see the great doctrine and the power behind it and everything that that goes with it. Two things. This is not your outline, but two things here. He's going to say, for those who aren't free, he's writing to them to show you how you can really be free. And to those who are free, they know they've been set free from bondage. He says, let me show you how you can enjoy your freedom. So to an unbeliever, here's freedom. To the believer, enjoy that freedom that you have in Christ. Now, that was two things. Now I'm going to show you three things in Galatians. Just getting an intro, and our intro is very brief today. Not spending a whole week here on the introduction. And you can say, One, he had to defend his apostleship. Paul is the writer. And that is one thing he's going to do. And he will do it right off the bat. Secondly, he restates the gospel of grace and what it is and how people need grace and not works for salvation. And then thirdly, he encourages Christians to live that freedom 
that freedom from the law. And it's dealing with walking in grace. So those are three good points. You'll see the first two chapters about Paul defending his apostleship throughout there. Three and four, you're basically going to see uh, here is the true gospel and grace and how one is saved. And then in five and six, how we are walking that. And of course, I think of some great passages in Galatians. There's just so many. Uh, one of them is dealing with the fruit of the Spirit. You remember that? That will be a classic passage. It's uh, all throughout. So I, I think we're on uh, a good journey as we start with this. It, it has been kind of going around in my brain for several years and we wind up going into another book and I think, ah, it's, it's dealing with legalism and the law. Let's see if we can, maybe this time we'll do this, but maybe later down the road. So I think it's time to, uh, to do this. We, we need to uh, realize our freedom and see where Christ has put us. Let's have a word with the Lord. Father, we thank You for who You are. For what you have done, revealing yourself, giving us your word, giving us your spirit. As we look at this particular book in Galatians for the next few months, we pray that we will get a good understanding and that it will make an impact in our own lives. And today what we look at, that uh, we'd be able to live to glorify you and know that we are set free. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, what was it that prompted Paul to write this epistle or letter? This is a letter. We call them books. Why did he want to write about freedom? Well, a little insight here. He had found some churches in Galatia. And Galatia is a large area. It's about 175 miles wide, 250 miles from north to south. And Paul had gone with Barnabas. You remember on his first missionary journey and there was his uh, good companion Barnabas. And they evangelized four primary cities. One of them was uh, Derbe, Lystra, Iconium, Antioch of Pisidia. Those were four cities. He established churches there. He went through the cities, established them, went to those, and then he came back through them on his way back just to make sure how they were doing. He had a great love for them, a great care. When Paul uh, led people to Christ, being a spiritual father and discipled them, he felt responsible in making sure they knew the Gospel, that they knew the Word of God. And uh, we know that he uh, actually almost sacrificed himself he did sacrifice himself, but it was almost to the death. Actually, maybe even kind of a kind of a death, because he was stoned in this area. You remember there was a time when he was stoned to death, but he came back to life. Um, he's thrown out on the city dump, and what they do is they take these huge stones, and from uh, a pretty good height. These boulders they start with and they throw them down and crush them and then other people start picking up stones and just start throwing them at him. And um, there's no way that people would live out of that. God raised him back up. What a tremendous price it was. And that's what he was willing to do for these people in Galatia. That's quite a thought, isn't it? That he would be willing to do that. What a spiritual father. Well, the thing is, when Paul would come in 
bring in the gospel. That's God at work through the apostle. And then who likes to come in after him? The enemy, Satan. And he would like to destroy everything that Paul had brought in. And that would happen everywhere. He would like to undo it with false teachers, false doctrine. That's how you can destroy a church, one of the ways. Paul was really concerned about it. And there were these Judaizers that wanted everybody to do the exact law that they'd always done before and the, the, the people of the circumcision. There were Gentiles who had become Christians and the Judaizers wanted them to do the exact same thing the Jews did and with all their feasts and with all their rituals and ceremonies and everything to become a Christian. Now you have to be a Jew first. We know that's far from the Gospel, right? Paul was very concerned. Do you know that happens today? Not necessarily straight Judaism, although that does happen. But a lot of people start bringing in things that was never meant to be seen in the New Testament and to be practiced, to be done um, as a as a part of uh, worship. And it's a shame what it does. And so they wanted to go back to the Mosaic Law in all of its aspects. So they were attacking the very gospel of grace. You guys like grace? Well, this is what this is emphasizing. And if ever there was a book that can free people from a bondage that people set up that is exactly the opposite of the Word of God, I think uh, this definitely speaks. So he establishes at this very beginning what we're going to be talking about today really are three things. The authority that Paul had as an apostle, number one. Number two, his message, that being the gospel. And then number three is his motive in writing this. That's to the glory of God. That's really the three parts in the five verses. So why don't we pick up the Bibles in whatever form that may be. Galatians 1, we're going to do the first five verses. Uh, don't have an outline up there today, but uh, if you have the bulletins, uh, that should be in there, I think. And uh, pardon my bulletin today. I, I had all sorts of trouble with that last night. I spent I don't know how long trying to get that thing right and it just kept getting more and more crooked. I think it was in my copier. I tried different things, putting it in different ways and it just didn't turn out the way that I wanted it. But uh, the message is there, right? Yeah. Alright. You guys are forgiving. <laughs> Paul, an apostle, not sent from men, nor through the agency of man, but through Jesus Christ and God the Father who raised Him from the dead and all the brethren who are with me to the churches of Galatia, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ who gave Himself for our sins so that He might rescue us from this present evil age according to the will of our God and Father to whom be the glory forevermore. Amen. Did you catch that end of verse 4 there? That He might rescue us from this present evil age according to the will of our God and Father. Well, Paul starts off. What's the first word here? Paul. That's how you do a letter. Instead of waiting around to see who wrote it right at the end. I wonder who this is from. I can't read it till the end. That'll mess everything up. 
You know, I, I want this to be a mystery until I get there. I don't want to blow the ending. So I'll find out then who it is. Now they just came right out and said, Paul. Whoever wrote it, they'd tell who they are. Um, what about Paul? Well, you got to remember, we know him, first of all, as a traditional legalist. He was a Pharisee. A Pharisee of Pharisees. You're talking about legalism. He was a legalist. From the very first part of his training, throughout all of instruction, as he sat in the feet, at the feet of Gamaliel, you remember Gamaliel, one of the greatest teachers that uh, Jewish people beheld. He was a master teacher. He was a Pharisee, a legalist. And that's exactly what Saul was, as his name was then. He gave a testimony to that. If you turn to Philippians chapter 3, Verse 5, circumcised the eighth day of the nation of Israel. All Jewish boys start that way. Of the tribe of Benjamin. Now we're narrowing it down. A Hebrew of Hebrews. Anybody who's a Hebrew or a Jewish person, this guy was. As to the law of Pharisee. Oh, now we've really boiled it down to who he is. As to zeal, a persecutor of the church. Does that get the message across? He hated the church. Why? Because it preached the gospel of Jesus Christ. Grace alone is how you're saved. He hated it. As to the righteousness which is in the law, found blameless. I mean, you couldn't get Paul on anything outwardly. I mean, he lived what seemed to be a very righteous life. He didn't have the righteousness of Christ. He really wasn't free, was he? But whatever things were gained to me, these things I have counted as loss for the sake of Christ. More than that, I count all things to be loss in view of the surpassing value of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things and count them but rubbish so that I may gain Christ and may be found in Him, not having a righteousness of my own derived from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness which comes from God on the basis of faith. He knew later that Christ is the one that set him free. He got Christ's righteousness. It wasn't his own. He found his own righteousness really was rubbish. It was trash. It was absolutely worth nothing. It was a zero. And so he says that. In Galatians 1.14, the very chapter that we happen to be in, And I was advancing in Judaism beyond many of my contemporaries among my countrymen, being more extremely zealous for my ancestral traditions. Then you have to like the next verse. But when God, who had set me apart, even from my mother's womb, even before all this happened, before I even trusted in Him, He already set me apart. And He called me Later, through His grace, He was pleased. He was His Son in Him. He was set free from the very thing that He thought was freedom. Was His life. Anyway, that's His testimony. So after His conversion, He became a defender of grace. He went to the extreme to preach grace. It almost seems like that uh, he did away totally with all works. Well, for salvation, he does. 
but when you have that grace, then God already has works for us prepared beforehand for us to do. And then we do those in obedience. But what a defender. He understood beautifully what it was. He's an apostle, it says. Paul, an apostle. Apostle is... Why, why does he say that? Is he bragging here? Is he boastful? Is he prideful? No, not at all. Matter of fact, there are many people that are saying he's not an apostle. What is an apostle? One who speaks with authority for someone. One who is sent away to other people. An emissary. One who is representative. An ambassador. Who is going to say what has been told to them to say to other people. He's representing. That's an apostle. Now there is the twelve, and that's the special group, there are other people that are called apostles, but the twelve is what we're talking about here. No apostles today. Yeah, we're sent from Christ, so in a way there's a general meaning, but there are no apostles. There was a certain time period that they were here. They were given the Word of God. That's why we don't add to the Word of God. It was closed. The canon was closed by John the Apostle in Revelation. To be an apostle, two things. You guys probably remember one thing you had to be um, with the risen Lord. Experience the resurrection. The resurrected Christ. He did. One untimely born. He wasn't with the other ones, but later on He did. Because Christ came to Him whenever He knocked Him off the horse. And uh, so He saw the resurrected Christ. And number two, you have to be chosen personally by Christ Himself. And He was. Like the other apostles that you'll see in the Gospels. So He's a messenger, an envoy, an emissary, an ambassador. It's very familiar to Jewish people. It's not just to Gentiles. very familiar to the Jewish mind. Um, that's whenever they would have someone go speak and they're speaking the very authority from them. They're acting on the behalf of someone else as they are commissioned to go out and do that. You go act in my behalf. Turn to John thirteen sixteen. The Gospel of John. Truly, truly, I say to you, a slave is not greater than his master, nor is one who is sent greater than the one who sent him. He's not greater than Christ. Alright? And they're actually servants, but he's dealing with the word sent. That is a word in the Greek that is dealing with our word apostle. Sent out. If we looked in Acts 2.42, right after the book of John, What was the church doing in the very early days? They were continually devoting themselves to the apostles' teaching and fellowship to breaking bread and to prayer. The apostles' teaching. There was the Old Testament. They taught from the Old Testament, but God was now revealing New Testament truth, and He did it through who? Just anybody? Anybody say, hey, i got a word from the Lord. No. It was to these apostles. And the people gathered around that. So they knew that they got something from God directly. So that's how important an apostle is. They had doctrine. Well, what's doctrine? Why? Why doctrine? It's teaching. It's what Jesus taught them. 
And He operated His power through them. This is New Testament revelation. New Testament truth that they had. And He operated His power through these men to speak and also write it. The Holy Spirit. So they were uh, actually set by Him, set aside for this very purpose, to reveal His truth, even after He had already ascended. Specific purposes there. And they were given abilities to do miracles just like Jesus did. What kind of power do they have? Look in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Resurrection chapter at verse 5. Talking about uh, the Gospel and that He... um, died for our sins according to the Scriptures. He was buried. He was raised on the third day according to the Scriptures. And that He appeared to Cephas, Peter, then to the twelve, to the rest of the uh, apostles there. After that, He appeared to more than 500 brethren at one time, most of whom remain until now, but some have fallen asleep. Then He appeared to James, the half-brother of Christ. Then to all the apostles, And last of all, as to one untimely born, He appeared to me also. So He kind of gives an order there. And He said, yeah, He appeared to me also. For I am the least of the apostles. I wasn't part of those twelve. And look what I did to the church. And not fit to be called an apostle. Because I persecuted the church of God. And here we go. But by the grace of God, I am what I am. And His grace toward me did not prove vain. But I labored even more than all of them, yet not I, but the grace of God with me, whether then it was I or they, so we preach and so you believe. (laughs) Wow. So Paul makes it very very well known that he is the apostle. Now next, it's kind of interesting. We're just looking down kind of Word by word here, aren't we? So does he get this authority from? What's in kind of like quotes here? Parenthesis. Not sent from men, nor through the agency of man, but through Jesus Christ and God the Father, who raised him from the dead. Didn't get it from some men and say, hey, we, uh, we anoint you as an apostle. He was directly chosen by God to do this through Christ. That's how He has all this power to do all these things uh, that He's doing. Um, apostles had a very unique place that they were, they were put. Of course, we know... Uh, they wrote Scripture. Now, in our times, um, much of the church today rejects the authority of Scripture, the inspiration of Scripture. Some will say you can't uh, say that every part in the Bible is really inspired by God. And uh, these are some of the mainline churches, I tell you. And they they reject that. What the apostles wrote and uh, Paul uh, what he wrote, that was just his opinion. That's just his ideas. You've heard this. And this is what Paul is putting forth. No, I'm an apostle. I got my revelation straight from God. He sent me out to do this. And um, it comes down to a question of biblical authority. 
what he said was biblical authority. And so people were denying that. It was starting to get around in Galatia where he had been and where he actually would sacrifice himself. These people he loved so much. It wasn't uh, like everybody believed he was an apostle. So as he writes this epistle, he has to talk about him being an apostle. Um, my credentials are, he says, my title. My apostleship is given me by Christ. Secondly, my credentials I received from the apostleship are not from men. It's from Christ. It's from God. It's a divine one. Not a man, but a Christ. That's what he says, doesn't he? Uh, look in Galatians 1.11. For I would have you known, brethren, that the gospel which was preached by me is not according to man. The gospel of grace? No man ever made that up. And he didn't get some special revelation from somebody else. It all came straight from God. He knew what the gospel of grace was. And he never mixed it with any kind of other kind of teachings or works and such. Look in Acts 13.2. And that's where you see his ministry really blossom in the book of Acts where he takes over after Peter in Acts 13. And in verse 2, it's uh, while they happen to be in Antioch, Saul is... Saul at that time, Paul of Saul. While they were ministering to the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, amongst these people now, and this this what makes it seen, people this is a visible sense, set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. Then when they had fasted and prayed and laid their hands on them, they sent them away. They sent them away, sent away apostle. They're your apostle. Um, and it was by the Holy Spirit. He spoke and it was made known. He says, my calling is not human. Even though there were people there uh, and validifying the call that Paul had. They are the authority that speak on behalf of Christ. Now you'll notice at verse 2, in all the brethren who are with me, Now, there are apostles, and then there are brethren. And he makes it clear what uh, is the difference here. Uh, You'll notice calling himself an apostle, he calls the rest of those brethren. He distinguishes himself clearly from who they are and what he does. And he says, they agree with what I'm saying, though. And that is important. Same times he gives himself the title apostle, and then he shows the difference. Under the churches of Galatia, Galatians are really the Gauls. G A U L S. You ever heard of that? Gaul? Uh, or another name for them was the Celts. Celts. And really, we know they wind up migrating that area, but. Uh, they were from that area and they came down to uh, Italy. They came down to Rome. Um, they were barbarians that kept terrorizing uh, the city of Rome. Oh, 390 B.C., I guess. Um, they were coming down, hassling Rome, kind of sacking the city. And, of course, they threatened all the Romans. And they were really a pain in the neck. You know, I mean, they just kept... 
coming. Hordes of them would come there and, and uh, they would foul up Rome. And they went to Greece and they did the same thing. And finally, after raiding and plundering uh, Rome and Greece, they finally were pinned down. They pinned down in uh, Asia Minor. Giving a little bit of history here. But they established the term Galatia. Galatians. Now, with that thought, some boring history maybe, but now you can take that and look and see who Paul was dealing with. These are former, former uh, these are pagans who eventually, you know, are going to be. But that's what they are in Galatia. They're going to cause all sorts of havoc with Rome as time goes on. But that's who he's dealing with. Um, they're not necessarily model citizens. <laughs> Barbarians is what uh, they are called, and that's that's an onomatopoeia word. Bar, 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 bar. That's what the language sounded like when they come to the Romans with their established Latin language, and there they are coming up. Bar, 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 bar. It was like a dog barking or whatever. It was rude. So how that pagan barbarian bunch of people sprung these little churches to whom Paul writes? Now does that make a little sense? That's who he's dealing with. Now, let's go to the next verse, verse 3. Here's the message. He's a messenger, and a messenger has the message. Grace to you. I love that. And peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ who incidentally, who gave Himself for our sins so that He might rescue us from this present evil age according to the will of our God and Father. Do you know what He managed to get? He managed to get the whole Gospel right here in a couple verses. Gets the Gospel in. And that's His message. The messenger has to have a message. An apostle has to be given the words to go to the people, and that he does. Grace brings what? Grace to you and peace. Grace is the doctrinal aspect. It's the positional sense. You are saved by grace. Did you do anything to earn salvation? Did you do something? No. That's exactly what Paul is trying to get across in his gospel. It's all by grace, right? All by grace. But it brings peace. So the positional aspect is that we stand in grace. What's the practical aspect? We have peace with God. We're no longer chasing around looking for some kind of freedom to set me free from all this bondage. We have peace from God. Grace is the sum of all the blessings that we have, and peace is the result of all that sum. Very practical, isn't it? And he gets right to the heart of the Gospel. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. And here's a Gospel, verse 4 who gave Himself for our sins so that He might rescue us from this present evil age. The nature of Christ's death is found here in verse 4. 
He gave Himself for our sins. Everybody knows that Jesus Christ died on the cross for our sins. Everybody can say that without even batting an eye, can't you? Jesus Christ died on the cross for our sins. Think about it. Christ gave Himself up for our sins. The nature of Christ's death, that's the aspect of the Gospel. It's sacrificial that He sacrificed Himself. It is penal in that He took punishment. Punishment from God the Father for our sins is penal. That particular doctrine has pretty well been eliminated in the Western church today. In our churches here in America, many do not believe in penal substitution. They don't believe that He died to to take on punishment. They like the thought of Him being an example of how much He loved us. And that's what happened almost kind of out of control in this. He, you know, he really couldn't help it. That's what they did to him. But it was a sacrifice for sin. It was not, I want you to hear this, this is, uh, this is not heretical, and then give me a chance. It was not primarily an act of love. Now, I want to protect myself. Love is involved here, folks. We know love, mercy, and grace. I'm not eliminating that, but I am saying it's not primarily that. It was called a sacrifice for sin. He gave Himself for our sins. He substituted for us. What's substitute mean? One who takes the place of another. We should have taken the penal sacrifice. We should have taken the we should have been dead and gone to hell, right? Only He could do this because He's the only righteous one. And this is the recurring theme in Galatians. That He gave Himself for our sins that He might rescue from us. He died for our sins. Someone had to die. It had to be the perfect being and nobody would ever say, yeah, I know a perfect person and, and name a human. The perfect person, the only one, is Jesus Christ, right? There had to, that's the only thing that God the Father would accept. The perfect righteousness of Christ. And then, when we trust in Him, His righteousness is then put on us. Our sin was put on Him at the cross then. And He died. He penalized that sin, didn't He? So He had to die. Sin demands death. And anybody who doesn't trust Christ... They will suffer the penalty for eternity and roast in hell. That is part of the Gospel. He came here, the Holy Spirit, to convict the world of what? Sin. The righteousness of Christ. And judgment. Which is just exactly what we said there. He became sin for uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21. If you're in Galatians, it's just back a few pages. A great verse. He made Him who knew no sin, that's Christ, to be sin on our behalf so that we might become the righteousness of God in Him. Amen? We're hitting right at the heart of the Gospel. Did Paul waste any time? No, not at all. He went right for it. Right for the jugular here. And he said, it was a rescue operation. He delivered us. You know what we were doing? 
We were in bondage. We were in prison. We were in sin. We were dead. We were going to hell. And He took us out of there. He delivered us. Captured us out of there. Took us out. Set us free. A tremendous bondage. The bondage of this present evil age. That was whenever it was in the time of Paul as he wrote to Galatians. And guess what? The present evil age is right here today. It always is. The prince of the power of the air thinks he's ruling. And he is. He's blinding people, as it says in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 4. But the Gospel enlightens people and converts them. He delivered us into the kingdom of light out of a present evil, dark age. Thank the Lord. Remember these Galatians he's writing to? These barbarians? And he said he came in and delivered you. Delivered is a great salvation term, isn't it? Uh, the passing system. You know what deliverance is? It's delivering us from this present evil age and it's having freedom to no longer think like this age. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. That's how you get totally transformed daily, every day. Because the world takes you and puts in and injects into you the way that it's supposed to be by the world's standards. And the Word of God says no. None of that. You don't want that bondage anymore. You don't want that death. Here's liberty. Here is free clear water to drink. Why do you want to drink and eat that garbage? Right? That's what He delivered us from, folks. Deliverance. It's freedom not to think like this age thinks. This passing world system. Did you know that everything was planned by God? It was God's will that Jesus die. Do you remember that? He prayed in the Garden of Gethsemane. Not my will, Father, but... Your will be done. Take this from me if you can. If we can do this. But then Jesus also knew the will of the Father. There was no other option. There's the Gospel. That's His message. What's the motive? Verse 5. To whom be the glory forever. Amen. Five verses, folks. And Paul has just nailed it. What a setup for it. And what has Paul done in these verses? It's just beautiful. It's a beautiful thing. You're going to see it now. We're going to jump into this. Watch. He traces the three stages of man's salvation. Stage one, the death of Christ for our sins. He rescued us out of the evil age. It's done, right? Step two, the appointment of Paul as an apostle to testify to that salvation. Christ did His work. Now Paul, apostles go out, take that out. Step three, the gift has been brought to us. To those Galatians and here to us today, all those who believe the gospel of grace, who now have peace with God through Jesus Christ our Lord. 
You know what? The will of God. The Father was involved with it. The Son was involved in it. And also the Holy Spirit. The whole triune God. And they provided salvation. And Paul was one who was sent to preach this. Salvation. It was planned. It was preached. It was granted to us. Folks, have you thought about that miracle that has happened to you? And you might be thinking, it hasn't happened to me. I don't really know exactly for sure where I'm going. I think I believe in God, but I'm just not sure. Well, I want to tell you, the Gospel of Grace says trust in that sacrifice and that sacrifice alone. Trust in that to be your righteousness. You can't please God by yourself. It's Him through you working. The Gospel of Grace. The center and foundation of all Gospel and all worship for our deliverance according to God's will. Galatians gives grace to men. That's what it preaches, this Gospel. And it's all about the glory of God. There's where it's wrapped up, right there in verse 5. To whom be the glory forever. Amen. God has done all this for His glory. It preaches Christ crucified for our deliverance from the present evil age. For what? For the glory of God. To whom be the glory forever. Amen. Let's pray. Father, thank You for Your Word. Thank You for Your truth. What a glorious God You are. Thank You for setting us free. Thank You for giving us this grace. And we know that we are nothing without trusting in the person of Jesus Christ and desiring then to live our lives according to Him that will glorify Him. In Jesus' name, Amen. Amen. What we're going to do is uh, take a... uh, I'm going to, however long it takes for me to get this going over here and to get set up back there, we're going to have something that is special today, this, uh, the graduation, where uh, Nondor has been set free, has liberty from all those studies from high school now. <laughs> A perfect example. Hey, there's Eldon back there. Anyway, uh, that's what we're going to do. So if you give us um, a minute or two and we will uh, do a little bit of a ceremony to celebrate that. And then after that, we, have, uh, we will have uh, food out in the common area, the food area.
Very well decked out, don't you think? I want to say that uh, this is quite the privilege. Uh, I believe a year ago we uh, did uh, graduation uh, for Nick. It was a year ago, right? The reason I say that is time is flying by so quickly. Uh, I cannot help but think of the boys when they first came to church when many of us knew them. And, you know, when you think about that, uh, you have to think of their ages then. And it's pretty easy for me to remember because they were two years apart. One was 10, one was 12. And that gave the, the very start to what has been a tremendous relationship. And I think at first they were probably wondering what they were getting themselves into. <laughs> They're trying to, what's going on here? And um, But they took to the things of God really quick. And I'm thankful for Bob and Julia and, and how God dealt with them and worked with them as they did the boys. And about that same time, they were being homeschooled. And all sorts of things were just happening in, in amazing ways. I think I have that story right, Bob, Julia, right? And... Um, the commitment was, it was all or nothing, and it, it, it went all. And uh, it's been a great witness, I think, of the whole family that uh, Nandor was just a little guy. I mean, he was about like that, I think, somewhere around that area. And he just kept growing and growing, and what these guys grow, and you guys have seen it happen. You go, my, that's, that, has that truly been seven years? Is that what it is? Right? <laughs> so, um, we know that as that happened, they, they grew and were committed to really the Scripture. I'm thinking of the, the, the boys, the whole family, and the, the way that the Lord worked in that. Um, and we, we all have seen it. You know, every week, and, and then they, you're talking about faithfulness and commitment. Every Bible study night almost always had been here. You probably count on a couple of hands about... about uh, how many times missed uh, in, in those years? Uh, always on Sundays and 
you know, serving, serving us, helping us worship, and uh, playing a big part. And uh, I, as, as a drummer, I, I say he's as solid as any drummer I have ever worked with, time-wise and everything else. And uh, we've been able to kind of grow together in that. But um, and those are important things. But really, the important thing is how the Lord has exhibited and put on display of His grace uh, through all the church and then. Uh, the, the work that uh, he's done and, and, uh, at home as far as schooling and staying with it. Uh, it's hard sometimes for homeschoolers to continue on in high school. There are a lot of different things that you have to deal with uh, where it's, 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 it can be difficult. It can be hard. I, I know we had boys that went through it. and uh, Of course, I can't really take it on myself. I, I know Carolyn can identify with that and... Uh, uh, definitely Julia and you know making sure that they're getting everything that they need and uh, so they've been prepared and they stuck with it they didn't uh, didn't dive out of it and many many homeschoolers will do that or they, they go back to high school and that's not necessarily wrong but in their case they stayed with it and uh, I heartily commend them I think that is uh, a valiant effort and, and work and accomplishment and so Nondor has been very, uh, I think, important uh, in, in to all of us as a church, as each one of us is, as he's used his gifts, and and to, to know that he stands for the righteousness of Christ. I, I said, I'm not building it up. I'm not making these things up. These are these are things I think that we would we would all say. And uh, it's just nice to see boys grow up to men and representing Christ. Because you don't see that as a standard today, and uh, that's so we put it put on uh, a high uh, standard for you guys to continue it and to grow even more. And uh, hopefully, you'll be able to take that gospel out in ways that uh, we haven't even been able to in a lot of different manners, and represent Christ and represent uh, your family and represent the church. So, Nandor, I'm not going to go any further. I know you have some words to tell us, and people want to hear you and not me. But that's my graduation speech for the day, and we will continue with your message. for everybody for being here. This uh, means a lot to me. Um, I wrote a, I guess a mini speech or a speech, so I'll try to do my best. I've never done this before. <laughs> um, so, uh, let me start. Um, you may or may not believe this, but I've honestly been thinking and uh, like dreaming of this moment um, ever since last year when Miklos uh, first stood up here. Um, I'd say about almost every day or uh, at least every week since then, the idea of graduating with the feelings of success and relief it brings and standing up here today crossed my mind endlessly. 
I thought about it almost all the time. Um, so really, the fact that I finally get to say I'm a high school graduate uh, means the world to me for so many very reasons, for so very many reasons. Um, to me, um, I'd I look at it as a miracle because um, when all is said and done, I wasn't really sure I'd be up here uh, so soon or at all. Um, my confidence in myself to actually graduate was <laughs> not really there. Uh, it was non-existent. Um, I didn't think I was uh, that smart enough or um, you know, just smart. Uh, so that's why I call it a miracle. Um, but it's only a miracle uh, because of my Savior, Jesus Christ, my incredible, lovely family, um, friends, this church, and my inspirations I personally look up to. Um, without these, I truly wouldn't be who I am right now. Might not even have graduated, who knows? <laughs> um, so, as I knew I'd be given the chance to say a few things today, I wanted to take this opportunity to thank those who've helped me throughout my life so far. First, I'd like to thank my holy God for saving, loving, and molding me. His uh, realness ever present before me every moment of every day. Um, my parents for their kind counsel and love through the years. <laughs> my wonderful companion of a dog, dad me, and especially my older brother for Caring and being there for me always. I'd also like to thank uh, Dennis for his faithful, unwavering preaching and teaching of God's Word and truth every week these past seven years or so that my family and I have been attending here. And uh, Carolyn and Zach and really everyone who supported me or just served here at church. Um, seeing your faces each Sunday, helping uh, the band worship uh, is something wholly special and greatly appreciated by me for a lot of reasons. Um, thank you everyone so very, very much. I realize I've been given a blessed, unique foundation not to take for granted. Now, I bet most of you are wondering, you know, what's next for me? What's next for you? Um, the only answer I can give is that by God's free blessing, He provided me with gifts that I really just want to use through the best possible avenue in the future. Uh, whatever the Lord's will for me in the future is what I want. So I ask prayer in this regard as the next stage of my life quickly approaches. Um, 
that I follow God's path and not my own, that I keep Him in my mind all my days and never waver from His word, no matter what inevitably comes, that I also try my very best to anything I set out to do in the future, and that whatever I set out to do is not a mistake. <laughs> um, so, I do want to leave you with a couple of verses from the Bible and a final thought as I close. These particular verses relate to the kind of man, kind of person uh, I long to be. The, fir- the first one is found in uh, Matthew uh, chapter 5, verses 38 through 41, where our Lord is preaching from the Sermon on the Mount. Yeah, read it. You have heard that it was said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. But I say to you, do not resist the one who is evil. But if anyone slaps you on the right cheek, turn to him the other also. And if anyone would sue you and take your tunic, let him have your cloak as well. And if anyone forces you to go one mile, go with him two miles. Get to the one who begs from you, and do not refuse the one who would borrow from you. This text speaks for itself in a way, but the reason why I wanted to touch on it is because of its bold, uncompromising picture and meaning. It's about going further than what the average human being would by giving someone more than they ask, uh, not wanting anything in return, not expecting anything in return, just really for the sake of doing it. This is something I can sincerely relate to as well as continually aspire to. The next one is found in the Psalms. It's uh, Psalm 103, 15 through 19. As for man, his days are like grass, he flourishes like a flower of the field. For the wind passes over it, and it is gone, and its place knows it no more. But the steadfast love of the Lord is from everlasting to everlasting, and those who fear him and his righteousness to children's children, and to those who keep his covenant and remember to do his commandments. The Lord has established his throne in the heavens, and his kingdom rules over all. Um, the main point David, the author, is presenting is, of course, the contrast between man's frailty and weakness, uh, ultimately leading to death, opposed to God's everlasting love and being. But I remember taking note of a thought I had when I read this at one point a while back. It may not be the intention or focus of the scripture, but it spoke volumes to me. It's the man to flower comparison. Uh, says, you know, uh, we're like grass and we're like a flower that will flourish, you know, just will be gone in an instant compared to God. And then um, the reason why I, wanted, why I picked this was uh, it's, it's not a, like if you don't look at this comparison as initially a bad or depressing thing. And the manner in which it states that we, man, we humans, 
or just a fleeting passerby here on this earth, but looking at it in a way that can, I believe, be something far greater. Um, what do flowers do besides begin? You know, they, they rise and then die. Uh, in between, you know, they bloom. You know, they uh, they live. As they grow, they bloom. And that's what showcases their glory and shows that they're alive. It may only be for a short amount of time, but you can see it and it impacts you. And that's the person I want to be. That's what I want to do. Bloom. To bloom in the brightest, most colorful, widest man. And the time God has allowed me in this life. Because precious life, precious time, is not to be wasted nor ignored. No matter what age, not ever. Because as one good man wrote, for if we live, there is hope. And if we hope, there's tomorrow. And tomorrow, then forever. So the idea of Good. And you didn't lose it. You're still here. <laughs> that's, uh, that's really, and it's hard to do. And But you take on things that are hard to do because you know what your strength is. And the Lord always gives that to us. And so that was powerful. Very well meaning. And of course, what, what I said earlier, I think everybody here is right behind you. And wherever the Lord's got you next, wherever that is. I guarantee you we're there to support you. And uh, that's you are blooming. You are blooming right now. You have been blooming. You know, people are going to get brighter. And the Lord is going to use you and already has used you in many ways. So what a blessing it's been just to be a part of this. We thank Bob and Julia for the, the great part that you've played as a family. And, of course, Nick making that impact on you. You guys are brothers like this and they get along all the time. That is a miracle right there. I mean, that doesn't happen. But anyway, what we want to present to you is just, just a token here of our appreciation and this this makes it official, the high school diploma. It's from the Schaefer Homeschooling Academy and uh, mom and dad signed that. And we have something else for you too. And it's always been tradition for the church to give um, our graduates a MacArthur Study Bible. And years uh, way back when we did that. And the thing is, you guys have study Bibles pretty well all over the place. 
I want to tell you, this town needs a Christian bookstore. Columbia needs a Christian bookstore. Probably St. Louis, maybe Springfield might be about it. It's hard to find anymore. Where are those bookstore owners? I'd like to know who are those guys that run out on us. Anyway, it's hard to find stuff that you look for here. Just go down to the store. Hey, I'll get a card, get a book. <laughs> but anyway, uh, and what I what I what we have here, this is from the church. Okay, this is from the church. What we have here are reference materials, and you might already have them, or your family might have them, or it might be something that you can use personally. If there's some things you want to trade in on, then we'll allow you to do that. <laughs> but so I'm giving you these now wondering, do you have that or not? Uh, there are three different tools that I've always told people they really need to have. One of them is after the Bible, of course. But a Strong's Concordance, if you can get that, and a dictionary, and then also a really good commentary. <laughs> you get a lot of commentary. You can't have enough. But those are helpful in being able to interpret Scripture. Um, so you might have this, so uh, and you may not. But in here is a strong concordance and a dictionary, and that's one thing for starters. So I don't know what you have, what you guys have. But um, I did the best I could here in Jefferson City, Missouri. But, uh, read it all by next week. Yeah. This is a pretty thick commentary here. Um, the Believer's Bible Commentary. So now we have the dictionary and concordance, and we have a commentary. And then these are called essential truths of the Christian faith, R.C. Sproul, which you already pretty well know. You might have all of those. I don't know. But uh, you're very generous and always very gracious. And you would never say so anyway, but uh, we um, you might want to put that in the bag. <laughs> <laughs> well, kind of heavy. You think that's pretty heavy? Pretty heavy. We, we read heavy stuff here. He just got his doctor. Okay, you can stand there for a moment and then get your family together. And I'm going to switch this. And what you're going to do is as you go out, People are going to find out that they are invited, so they will file out, and we'll start with whatever row is closest to you, and they'll just kind of follow you guys out. You can show the way. Yeah. <laughs> 